the phrase return with honor is a very clear description of the purpose of life here in our mortal probation, in our pre-mortal state in heaven. We lived in the presence of God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Our goal in coming to this mortal probation is to return with honor back into the presence of God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, eternally. This is called eternal life. Eternal life is our goal at the end of our sojourn on earth. After birth, one of the most significant events in our life is baptism. The prophet Nephi describes baptism as a gate which we enter. After the gift of faith and repentance, we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. After entering the gate of baptism, we're placed in a uh, straight and narrow path which we remain on through our, our obedience, and if we endure to the end, we do achieve the goal of returning back into the presence of our Heavenly Father and having eternal life. Today I'd like to discuss the role of the gifts of the Spirit that will help each of us achieve our goal of eternal life. What are the gifts of the Spirit? How do they help us? These gifts of the Spirit are encompassed in the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the third member of the Eternal Godhead and is identified as the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit uh, from God is given to help us make decisions that will allow us to find and meet our destiny. These gifts were part of the ministry of the early prophets and were well known to the apostles of the New Testament. Paul writes in the book of 1 Corinthians, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit and there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh it all, all in all. But the manifestation of this Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit of the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretations of tongues. In this latter day, we have the understanding of the gifts of the Spirit given to us by revelation recorded in the 46th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. The 46th section specifically outlines the gifts of the Spirit as follows. In verse 11 it says, For all not have every gift given unto them, for there are many gifts, and to every man is given a gift by the Spirit of God. We are clearly instructed that each of us is given a gift or gifts. Do we know what gift we've been given? Are we seeking to find our gifts? In the twelfth verse it says, To some is given one, to some is given another, that all may be profited thereby. The phrase that all may be profited thereby is a very important concept to understand about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts given to each individual are given not only for the one who receives, but also for those who can benefit when the gift is shared with others. For example, you may be given the gift of faith and never question the existence of God, our Heavenly Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. In verse 13 it tells us, to some it is given by the Holy Ghost to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
that he was crucified for the sins of the world. Verse 14 adds, To others it is given to believe on their words, that they also might have eternal life if they continue faithful. With the gift of faith, you may be given the gift of prophecy or testimony. In addition, you may be given the gift that others would believe on your words, that they might have eternal life if they continue faithful. Many of you as missionaries for the Church have experienced all that I have just outlined. Or you may have brought a friend or neighbor into the Church by the way you have lived your life or through your testimony. Another example of the gifts that you have participated in are in the 19th and 20th verses of the 46th section. And again, to some is given to have the faith to be healed, and to others is given the faith to heal. There have been times when I have laid hands upon one who was ill and felt their spirit and their faith so strongly that they would be healed that I felt a surge of power from that faith. The Prophet Joseph Smith taught on one occasion that the faith to be healed is one of the greatest gifts an individual can have. On the other hand, I have seen faith of parents when fathers and mothers desired their children to be healed, and through great faith their children have been blessed. In the 24th verse it says, And again it is given to some to speak with tongues, and to another given the interpretation of tongues. We have had an example of that this evening. Many of you who have gone to foreign lands have been given the gift to speak with tongues and to translate or have the interpretation of tongues. In the 26th verse, And all these gifts come from God for the benefit of the children of God. We are told by prophets in this dispensation that revelation for the direction of the Church will not be given through the gift of tongues. The reason for this is that it is so easy for Lucifer to falsely duplicate, duplicate the gift of tongues and confuse the members of the Church. Satan has the power to trick us as it pertains to some of the gifts of the Spirit. One in which he is most deceptive is the gift of tongues. Joseph Smith and Brigham Young explained the need to be cautious when considering the gift of tongues. Quote, you may speak in tongues for your own comfort, but I lay this down for a rule that if anything is taught by the gift of tongues, it is not to be received for doctrine. Joseph Smith, Brigham Young said, Speak not in the gift of tongues. Without understanding it or without interpretation, the devil can speak in tongues. The gift of tongues is not empowered to dictate to the Church. All gifts and endowments given of the Lord to the members of the Church are not given to control a Church but they are under the control and guidance of the priesthood and are judged by it. The gift of tongues is used by missionaries to teach the gospel to the nations of the world. The gifts identified in the 46th section give rise to other gifts, such as the gift to ponder, looking to God for direction, the gift to hear and respond to the still small voice, the gift to be calm, which includes the ability to curb anger and to be temperate rather than contentious the gift to study and to listen, and perhaps the greatest gift of all, to have charity, caring for others. There are many gifts. Elder Bruce R. McConkie wrote, Spiritual gifts are endless in number and infinite in variety. Of the sacred gifts of spirits, one which I believe has impact on each of our lives is the gift of prophecy or revelation. This gift is different from the priesthood office of the prophet the gift of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. The Apostle Paul taught that Christians quote, 
Christians should desire spiritual gifts, but rather than ye may prophesy, meaning to testify of the Savior. President Joseph Fielding Smith taught all members of the Church should seek for the gift of prophecy for their own guidance. Every Church member, if faithful, has the right to receive revelation for his or her personal blessings. How do we recognize the gifts of the Spirit? One might ask, what are the spiritual manifestations of the gift of the Spirit? The scriptures are clear with regard to the feelings one has when touched by the Spirit. For guidance, perhaps these words to Oliver Cowdery represent a primary manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. In the sixth section of the Doctrine and Covenants, in teaching Oliver Cowdery, the Lord said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Blessed art thou for what thou hast done. For thou hast inquired of me, and behold, as often as thou hast required, thou hast received instruction of my spirit. If it had not been so, thou wouldst not have come to this place where thou art at this time. Many of you may wonder why you have come at this time to Brigham Young University and why you have the opportunity to be taught in this unique institution sponsored by and paid for from the tithing of the Church. My personal feeling is that you are not here by chance. I hope you understand the opportunity that is yours to learn while you are here and prepare yourselves for the rest of your sojourn in mortality. In verse 15 of this 46th section on gifts, it says, Behold, thou knowest, excuse me, this is the ninth section, Behold, thou knowest that thou hast inquired of me, and I did enlighten thy mind. And now I tell thee these things, that thou mayest know that thou hast been enlightened by the Spirit of Truth. It is very important for us to pray and to fast and to be close to our Heavenly Father that we may know when that light is brought in our mind and we will recognize it. In verse 16 it says, Yea, I tell thee that thou mayest know that there is none else save God that knoweth thy thoughts and the intents of thy heart. I tell thee these things as a witness unto thee, that the words or the work which thou hast been writing are true. The Lord reminded Oliver in the ninth section of the night he prayed to know concerning the truth of these things. He helped Oliver remember by saying, Did I not speak peace to your mind? What greater witness can you have from God? Oliver had to learn to recognize influences of the Spirit as you and I must learn. The gift of translation was something that Oliver took for granted. Consider Oliver Cowdery's desire to translate and the instruction given by him. As the Lord recorded in section 9 of the Doctrine and Covenants, this scripture describes the process he must follow and then describes how the Lord responds. Quote, Behold, I say unto you that ye must study it out in your mind. Then you must ask me if it be right, and if it be right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore you shall feel that it is right. It is so important that as we read the sections given to Oliver Cowdery in the sixth and ninth sections of the Doctrine and Covenants, that we understand how it applies to us. Access to the gifts of the Holy Ghost is guaranteed only when we live lives in harmony with the principles of the gospel. There was a period of time following the Savior's earthly ministry when these gifts were not active in the lives of God's children. 
The loss of these gifts resulted from a turning away from heavenly thoughts or acts of an acceptance of earthly gods. Listen to these insightful words from John Wesley in the mid-1700s as he wrote about the Dark Ages. Quote, The real cause why the extraordinary gift of the Holy Ghost was no longer to be found in the Christian Church was because the Christians were turned heathen again. If then the whole of Christendom, without one exception, had been buried in the most abominable idolatry for upwards of 800 years, because they are destitute of the gifts and are not even now Christians but heathens, we ask where the authority was during the 800 years, and where is it now? Surely God would not recognize the most abominable idolaters as holding authority." End of quote. Through the faith and instrumentality of Joseph Smith, the gifts of the Holy Ghost were restored with the restoration of the priesthood in 1829. The Sixth and Seventh Articles of Faith state, We believe in the same organization that existed in the primitive Church, namely apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and so forth. The Seventh Article of Faith, We believe in the gift of tongues, prophecy, revelation, visions, healing, interpretation of tongues, and so forth. Following our baptism, each of us had those holding the Melchizedek priesthood lay hands on our heads to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If we are faithful, we can have his influence with us. Through him, we can each be blessed with certain spiritual powers called gifts of the Spirit. These gifts are given to those who are faithful to Christ. They will help us know and teach the truths of the gospel. They will help us bless others. They will guide us back to our Heavenly Father. While the Holy Ghost can influence all mankind, the gift of the Holy Ghost functions first when an individual is baptized and confirmed by one having the priesthood and given the gift of, of the Spirit. An individual, secondly, continues to act upon the principles of righteousness. Third, the recipient is striving to be virtuous and pure. And fourth, the recipient acts with integrity and truth and keeps the commandments of God. Ponder this message from President George Q. Cannon as he served as a first counselor in the First Presidency. Quote, if any of us are imperfect, it is our duty to pray for the gift that will make us perfect. No man ought to say, oh, I cannot help this. It is my nature. He is not justified in it for the reason that God has promised to give strength to correct these things and give gifts that will eradicate them. If a man lacks wisdom, it is his duty to ask God for wisdom, the same with everything else. This is the design of God concerning his church. He wants his saints to be perfected in the truth. For this purpose, he gives these special gifts and bestows them on those who seek after them in order that they may be a perfect people upon the face of the earth." Close quote. So as we consider each of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Remember the counsel of heaven is to, quote, seek earnestly the best gifts from the 46th section, always remembering for what they are given. For I verily say unto you, they are given for the benefit of those who love me and keep all my commandments and him that seeketh so to do, that all may be profited that seek. A prerequisite for seeking after the gifts may require that we find out which gifts we have been given 
The scriptures further record, And again, verily I say unto you, I would that ye should always remember and always retain in your minds what these gifts are, that they are given unto the church, for all have not every gift given unto them. For there are many gifts to every man to be given, a gift by the Spirit of God. To find the gifts we've been given, we must pray and fast. Often patriarchal blessings tells us gifts that we have received and declare the promise of the gifts which we should seek after. I urge you each to discover your gifts, to seek after those which will bring direction in your life's work and which will further the work of heaven. During our time here on earth, we have been charged to develop the natural gifts we have been given and capabilities Heavenly Father has blessed us with. Then it will be our opportunity to use these gifts to become teachers and leaders of God's children wherever they may be found on earth. To exercise these gifts, we must develop a purity of heart. If you choose to attend this university, observe the honor code, the code of honor, and apply it in your life with integrity. It is interesting to watch cattle as they graze. Even when they have hundreds of acres on which to feed, some push up against the fence, straining to nibble on the tufts of pasture grass on the other side of the fence. Know and work within your parameters. Students who come to this university give their word to live by its honor code. Keep that promise with integrity, wholeheartedly, not like the cows that hover at the fence, always reaching for that which is given, just out of the limits. Don't push against the boundaries of the honor code. Realize it is a guide for your life. As you date, keeping the laws of chastity, you are preparing to live the law of fidelity in marriage. The world needs people who can keep their word have an honor code and can finish a task and endure to the end. While you are here, concentrate on getting an education, growing spiritually, and graduating. I testify you to you that you are among the very noble on earth. You are the future leaders of our society and the Church. You need not look like the world. You need not entertain like the world. Your personal habits should be different. Your recreation will be different. Your concern for the family will be different. As you establish this distinctiveness firmly in your life's pattern, the blessings of heaven await to assist you. How can we accomplish this goal? I know there is a loving Heavenly Father who wishes to help. He has made available sacred gifts, even the gifts of spirit of which, of which we have been speaking. And as we exercise and magnify these gifts, we are able to accomplish the callings and responsibilities which will come into our lives. We can have the gift of discerning spirits. George Q. Cannon has called the gift of discerning spirits, quote, a gift that is of exceeding value and one that should be enjoyed by every Latter-day Saint. No Latter-day Saint should be without this gift because there is such a variety of spirits in the world which seeks to decline and lead astray. Some may mean well but are listening to the wrong influence. Some people operate in the spirit of contention, clever with words, from much practice, but not focused on correcting their imperfections. They focus on the imperfection of others. The Spirit of the Lord withdraws from them and their fault-finding and contentions. Unless they change, they rarely endure to the end but fall away in time. The Lord and the prophets of this day have set the course we should follow. 
How can I question without losing the spirit is a question often asked of me by young people. All of us have questions at times in our lives on policies, procedures, or even principles. The best way to find answers we seek is to search for the solution, search it out for ourselves. How do we go about it? First and foremost is our attitude. How we ask the question is very, very important. If it is a demand, one loses an opportunity for an answer. Secondly, if we have strong feelings about the way something should be and are unwilling to listen, we may lose the opportunity to get an answer. Just as a point in thought, one only has to think of Joseph Smith when he wanted to show pages of the Book of Mormon to an associate and have him take them home and had to pray to the Lord a number of times to finally be allowed to do it, the Lord knowing that they would be lost. Sometimes we want something so much and keep praying about it, the Lord lets us do it for our learning experience. Sometimes we are drawn into seeking and giving answers which bring recognition or notoriety to our thinking and to our opinion. Don't look for signs or answers that build you up. Humility and submissiveness to God will always be fundamental in receiving direction from Him. Others operate in a spirit of gratitude to the Lord for the gospel and concentrate on correcting their own imperfections. We can develop the ability to discern what spirit is influencing others and ourselves. We should seek and pray for this gift, lest we be deceived. The gift of discernment is like the rod of iron. It will keep us on the path towards the tree of life, which means eternal life. The gift of significant value in determining personal direction and in ministering in the God's service is outlined in the fourth chapter of John, where we read, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus is come in flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. End of quote. How does one distinguish between manifestations of the spirits and counterfeits? One might ask these questions. First, is it edifying? Spiritual gifts are not given to satisfy one's lusts or curiosities, but are given as a blessing and benefit to those who love God and keep His commandments. In acts of healing, does the healer follow the divinely established procedures? That is, does he do it in the manner in which Jesus did, seeking for faith and purity of heart, anointing with oil? Has the worker of miracles received the gift of the Holy Ghost himself through the prescribed ordinances? One cannot, one cannot invoke the blessings of heaven without having received the gifts and the right of the authority to act in his name. May I take a moment to talk of some cautions that have been taught to me by experiences that I have observed regarding the gifts of the Spirit. Too often, people feel that answers to their prayers and their pleading for guidance and direction will be given in dramatic manifestation or through a direct voice giving specific directions from a heavenly host. 
My personal experience and an observation watching the brethren as they guide and direct the Church, as I've been there for the past 18 years, is that the answers come oftentimes over an extended period of time with almost a natural solution whereby people take actions of their feelings of their hearts which brings them peace and comfort rather than through dramatic revelation. Let me give you an example of how I learned this lesson. As a regional representative, I was traveling with President Romney to a stake conference for the selection of a new stake president. We had been driving in the car for over an hour discussing the Church and priesthood administration. For some reason, I asked a question, and the moment I asked it, I knew it was inappropriate. But the question had been asked. There was a pause, and President Romney said to the question, What is the most spiritual experience you have had as an apostle of the Lord? was what I asked him. There was a pause. It seemed like an eternity. Then he said, I believe what Joseph Smith and Brigham Young taught, that if we would keep our spiritual experiences to ourselves, many more spiritual experiences could be shared with us. It seemed like there was a long period of silence as we drove along the Mississippi River. <laughs> and then he said to me, I owe you a better answer. Then he gave me great counsel. He said the greatest spiritual experiences of his life had been when he'd been on an assignment from the president of the Church or the president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, as we were that day. He said, We will interview twenty-five or thirty priesthood brethren, and there will be more than one who will be qualified to be the stake president. But after, we, after all has been done, and all we can do is to interview those brethren, we'll get on our knees and pray to our Heavenly Father. We will tell him of our feelings, of who the new stake present ought to be, and the reasons why. We will tell him of the needs of the stake at this time, and then he will give us a confirmation. It was interesting that he said us, because it was true on that occasion. As we knelt and prayed, we both were able to receive a confirmation. This is one of the best examples that I have had on what the gifts of the Spirit are and how they are manifest in our life's work. Apply the principles taught by President Romney to understand that you can have discernment and confirmation of the concerns that confront you, such as choosing a companion, choosing a career that is best for you. Isn't it interesting that President Romney was sent to interview 25 or 30 men to see who would be a stake president rather than be told directly who it should be before his arrival? This is what the Lord means when He tells us to study it out in our minds. Too often we want to be given answers to questions that, if they were given in the manner we asked for them, would take away our free agency and the blessings that come from reaching out to the Lord for answers and direction. Some think it would be nice to have spiritual fortune cookies that we would open and give us answers to our life's challenges. Wouldn't it be nice to have a jar labeled and reach in and get our answer. But that's not the way it was meant to be. Many of you are in the process of choosing a companion. You must go through a long process before you make your decision. First, you've spent years thinking about what qualities or attributes you would like your companion to have. I'll pause there for a minute. Sister Hales, when the missionary sometimes would describe what their companion was going to be, she's a realist. She'd look at them and say, Get real, Elder. 
When you find that young lady, she won't want you. <laughs> I, I have to tell you another story, which is not in this script of this talk. It was uh, the first time I came here, 1976, 1975, and we had finished, and we left and walked through here and got on the elevator. And uh, as you know, on the elevator, you get in and the doors open one way and go out the other way. It was our first time on the elevator, so we were facing, and all of those who got on the elevator, knowing they were getting out the other side, were facing us, and we were facing them. And this one young lady, uh, you could see them talking with one another, and they were saying to one of the young ladies, there he is, there he is. And my wife kind of, I felt a little nudge from her, and she walked up and she hit me with her finger right here. She said, I want someone just like you, and hit me, and I didn't know quite what to do. And Mary stepped between me and the young lady, and she said, look, you go find your own. And then gave the best advice. She said, you should have seen what I started with 22 years ago. <laughs> I would like to publicly express my love for my companion. I would not be here today without her. I love her dearly. She has gifts of the Spirit that when we study the scriptures together, many of the concepts which I teach have come because we've had companion study and prayer. And that is why I am who I am today. And I must publicly acknowledge that. As you go through your dating and courting relationship, I'd hope that during the dating and courting process, you'd assess the spiritual inclinations of the individual that you're getting to know better. How do they treat their parents? How do they treat their brothers and sisters? How do they respect authority? What plans do they have in their lives? It isn't enough if they're handsome or beautiful or rich or poor. What kind of car they drive? What kind of clothes they have? What kind of athletic ability? What kind of intellect solely? You should be seeking to understand the gifts that they will have that will be of an eternal nature. You must work together to use and develop those gifts. President Benson said, God loves you as he loves each and every one of his children, and his desire and purpose and glory is to have you return to him pure and undefiled, having proven yourself worthy of an eternity of joy in his presence. Satan is mindful of each of us. He's committed to our destruction. He hopes we will fail to keep the commandments we have made to our Heavenly Father at baptism and in the temple. That is the only joy and satisfaction he and his disciples will ever have when one of us falls. Think about it. Lehi records that an angel of God had fallen from heaven, and he became a devil, having sought that which was evil before him. This is in 2 Nephi, 2nd chapter, 18th verse. And because he had fallen from heaven and become miserable forever, he sought the misery of all mankind. And in the 27th verse of that same chapter, 
Wherefore, men are free according to the flesh, and all things are given them which are expedient unto man. And they are free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator of all men, or choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil. For he seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself. I can remember one time President Kimball saying to me as we were traveling together, Do you know the devil can never laugh, can never smile, can never enjoy himself? I've never always thought about that when I think of how the only way he gets satisfaction is when we fail to endure to the end. This time in school is a time of preparation. It's a time of training. Your training is in the preparation for the challenges and tests of your mortal probation. You're not only preparing your minds for the day when you can contribute to your occupation of choice, provide for your families, but you're also working on your spiritual capabilities. There is one gift I'd like to spend just a moment on. It's the gift of charity. When we think of others, use charity, which is the ability to love unconditionally and give service for the right reasons. Charity is the ability to make life more meaningful for others. It's the theme of the Relief Society for a reason. Quote, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am as become as the sounding of brass or the tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Close quote. If we have these gifts and do not give on them to lift and to strengthen others, those around us in a caring way, this scripture says that it profit us nothing. My wife has taught us in our home a simple phrase, Thee lift me, and I'll lift thee, and we'll ascend together. There are times when we need to be lifted. There are times when we need to be strengthened. Be that kind of friend and that kind of person. Never have someone have to choose between your ways and the Lord's ways. And always make sure that you're making it easier to live God's commandments with those who are by your side and who are your friends, and then you'll understand whether you have charity. Remember the reason we want to have the stability and strength of the gifts of the Spirit is that we want to weather the storms when they come. We will be tried in this mortal probation. We don't want to decide to learn how to swim when the boat is already sinking. When a severe disability or problem comes to a family or an individual, a high percentage of families and individuals break up, disintegrate, because they're overwhelmed and unprepared. That is why we are faithful, and that is why we remain strong and have those spirits. Through his knowledge and obedience, when Jesus was in pain and upon the cross, he thought about taking care of his mother as he spoke to John the Beloved. In all of the pain we must go through, we have to remember the pain that is in others. 
The gifts of the Spirit can guide and enrich our lives. They can strengthen us spiritually and temporally. They can help us and bless the lives of others. But most importantly, they can bring comfort in our times of trials and those around us. They can help us magnify our callings. They can help guide us in our relationships. They can help us avoid being deceived. I bear testimony that God has given us the gifts of the Spirit to allow us to be drawn more closely into His circle of love. He desires that we receive these gifts of the Spirit and magnify them and grow and have them grow within us. We have to teach one another. We have to have and possess, seeking all that we can, seeking after these gifts. As we do, our faith in Him will increase and our true destiny will be fulfilled, ultimately returned back into His presence with honor as valiant sons and daughters. May we seek after and obtain these gifts, I humbly pray. And in conclusion, I'd like to share how King Solomon talked about the learning process that you're going through, as outlined in the book of Proverbs. Read it. It's marvelous teaching. Each one of us is given a basic intelligent quotient. Intelligence. It's God-given. It's nothing to be proud of. We're blessed with it. We add to our intelligence knowledge with facts and experience if we learn from them. And then we develop into a stage which Solomon calls wisdom. Wisdom plus the gifts of the Spirit gives us spirituality and understanding in our hearts, which causes us to act in a righteous manner and follow the commandments of the Lord. It's the difference between knowing and doing. It is for this reason you've come to this institution, to learn how to take this intelligence, gain knowledge and facts and experience, to gain wisdom and learn with understanding in your hearts to keep the commandments. Solomon said it in this way from verses in the second and third books of Proverbs. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to mine understanding. Envy thou not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth and correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth, Happy is the man who findeth wisdom and getteth understanding. I give you my testimony that God lives, that Jesus is the Christ. I give a testimony of the Holy Ghost and the spirit uh, and gifts which we can have if we will stay close to that spirit. Please, be a good friend. Never have someone choose between your way and the Lord's way, and always make sure that it's easier to live that which we should live in terms of returning back to our Heavenly Father by those who are near you. May the Lord's choicest blessings be with you, I pray, and give you my testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.